Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Jamie Schwartz, and she talks to us about growing up with a mom as a dressage trainer, her journey with chiropractic school, and what it's been like raising her son, growing her business, and being newly married. Hope you enjoy. Stable Connections is sponsored by Darby Bonomi, PhD, sport and performance psychologist. Dr. Bonomi works with equestrian athletes and other high performance individuals to conquer the challenges that interfere with top performance and enjoyment of their sport. Her clients bring their best to every moment, both in and out of competition. If you'd like to learn more, please visit darbybonomi.com or email darby at darbybonomi.com. D-A-R-B-Y-B-O-N-O-M-I. Stable Connections is sponsored by Equestrian Accounting. Equestrian Accounting is a virtual accounting firm providing bookkeeping and accounting solutions to boarding and training facilities, farriers, and equine service providers across the U.S. Equestrian Accounting was started with a desire to make an impact by helping equestrian professionals find their way to being profitable doing what they love while also giving them more time back with their horses and clients. They offer customized monthly packages from basic bookkeeping and reports to strategic cash management planning. They cover it all. Visit www.equestrianaccounting.co to schedule a free consultation call and be sure to mention Stable Connections on your call for a discount on your first three months. I was basically born in the saddle. (laughs) My mom is a dressage trainer and she retired recently, but literally was riding before I could walk. So she would start riding with me when I was a couple months old. And she was able to teach you growing up too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was my trainer for pretty much my whole life. Yeah. Um, When I was two, she got me my first pony instead of a babysitter. She got me a pony named Apple Blossom. That's (laughs) ideal. An ideal situation. It was great. (laughs) And we had our own facility at the time. So she'd be teaching and I'd be riding around on my pony. And yeah, so I just kind of grew up with it. Did you do anything other than dressage? I didn't. I would have loved to event. My mom was an eventer before she was a dressage rider, and she was great, but also got injured a lot. (laughs) Um, So my dad said no jumping, and, you know, he didn't know that I did some jumping on the side, but only ever competed in dressage, which when I was a kid I thought was really restricting. As an adult, I am a big chicken. (laughs) (laughs) So I am very appreciative of dressage these days. (laughs) Yeah. And so growing up in middle school, high school, did you wonder like what you were going to do as an adult career wise? Did you like feel like you already knew? Not what I currently did. I thought I knew. I thought I wanted to be a vet. And you know, a lot of people expected me to be a horse trainer, I think. But I always kind of knew that wasn't the route I wanted to take. I got to see my mom doing it. And um, while she really loved her job, I also saw her at the end of the day sometimes get burnt out (laughs) and, you know, not want to see another horse or talk about another horse. And I always knew I wanted riding to be my happy place. So, you know, what else do you do? You want to work with animals, but you don't want to be a horse trainer? I was going to go to vet school. (laughs) So I um, went all through high school, went to UC Davis for undergrad, started animal science. I was sure I was going to be a vet. And then um, I started working with some of the vets at Davis, doing some projects and whatnot, helping out with the full projects there. And I was working with some vets, and they were like, shh, don't be a vet. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. They're like, especially if you want to ride, don't, you're not going to have time. Don't do it. 
you know, look into, look into what else you could still be in the animal community but not be a vet. So I switched my major to exercise biology. Exercise biology. Okay, yeah. interesting. I haven't heard of that. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, exercise science or, you know, similar to like a physiology at Davis. And I thought I'd go into physical therapy. And that seemed like a really good route where I could still work with riders without having to be a coach. And specifically humans, not horses. At the time, yeah. I thought I was just going to do humans. You know, I was doing some training on the side and I was still riding and whatnot. But I thought, you know, I could still work with riders that way and be involved in the horse world. And I went, I did a study abroad in Australia. And I worked with a physio there. Part of the study abroad was you guys do an internship. So I worked with a physio there and it was awesome. I loved it. Super hands-on. How was it to move somewhere you had, I'm assuming, never been to before? <laughs> it was really neat. Honestly, um, Australia's awesome. It was, I was in Sydney, and it was nice because I spoke the language. <laughs> yes, that, that, uh, most of the time. Right. They have some funny words, but... Right. <laughs> yeah, the accent sometimes even harder than, you know, European language. <laughs> yes, exactly. But no, it was, it was great. The hardest part was being away from my horse for that long, but I knew I kind of wanted a, a, an adventure. Yeah. How long were you there? Uh, two and a half months. Two and a half months, so it wasn't too long, yeah. and you knew you'd come back. I did, yes, and I got to ride a couple times while I was there with a rider there, so that was fun. Came back, I was still in college, it wasn't my last quarter, so I was doing some internships at Davis in PT, and it probably was just the environment of being a student and working in a hospital PT, but I really wasn't enjoying it. <laughs> what about it other than the environment, you think, if there is more? It was just kind of boring. It was kind of felt like cookie cutter. You know, Monotonous, like just the same thing over and over? Yeah, someone would come in and, you know, this is what you're seeing and this is the recipe. The part that was more interesting to me was the inpatient PT, where, you know, after a stroke patient or something like that. You see progress? Yeah, um, it was a little bit more hands-on, I guess, but it was emotionally hard. It's hard not to take that home with you. Um, and so, I had this, I was in a class called Physiology of Maximal Human Performance, and the professor was really a smart guy. He worked with a lot of professional sports teams and um, Olympic athletes, and he, his office hours was to go on a six-mile run with him. Oh, <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, that's how you know that he's really in the sports world. It's shocking. No one else wanted to do this, and so I was kind of, what am I going to do with my life now? I've had this whole plan. And, and how old were you? Like early 20s, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah, probably 20. 21, end of college. Um, and so I went on this run with him and I was just, you know, tell me what to do with my life. This is, this is my background. I'd like to work with horseback riders. And why did you choose him? I think I just had a lot of respect for him and working with athletes. I knew I wanted to work with athletes. If it wasn't riders, you know, I just, athletes in general, I really enjoy, but I think equestrian athletes are sort of my bread and butter. Probably because you are one? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he just seemed like a natural fit. Plus this, I knew nobody was going to go to this six mile run office hours. So how can I get some one-on-one -on -one time to talk about me, which is, you know, not really what office hours are for, but I needed some advice. And so he basically told me, you know, I've worked with a lot of athletes. If you really want to be able to help people and be able to do it how you want to do it, you should look in a chiropractic. Mm. Um, and I've been to a chiropractor as a kid for low back pain, which is kind of what I knew chiropractors as. But he was like, you know, there's a reason that every single professional sports team has a chiropractor on staff. They are more than just pain and aches. It's really has a performance impact. Um, and preventative too. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and so I... I haven't really thought about it before, but I knew I had a friend who was at the school that I ended up going to, and so that day I talked to her and I applied that night. <laughs> Again, thinking I was only going to do humans and just going to 
work with riders and throughout my time in chiropractic school, I think I changed about 10 times exactly how I wanted to practice, what I wanted to do. That's the point of it, right? Is to just kind of like ebb and flow, even once you start a business to kind of like start one way and then see if that's how you wanted to do it. How did you choose what chiropractic school? Honestly, I chose it because it was close. <laughs> it's in Hayward. My horse was here. My mom was here. You know, my whole family was here. So it was convenient. It's where my friend was going and I knew she really liked it. So it's actually the only school that I even looked at. I ended up after doing my chiropractic schooling, I did my master's through a different chiropractic school up in Portland. And, and in person? It was mostly online, but we did, it was kind of throughout COVID. So at the beginning, we were going up there every quarter for a couple days to do labs and whatnot. And then unfortunately, a lot of it ended up being online. And then you do kind of an internship component where you find your own place to Someone to local. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I probably, if I had done a little more research and known how different the schools were, I probably would have gone to that school. Not because there was anything wrong with the school that I'm at, but they are very different, just kind of what their emphasis is on. Yeah. So you're still in that school currently? No, I graduated 20... 19, I think, from my master's program. Okay. Um, but I do work at the school that I went to in Hayward. I work there a couple days a week. So. Cool. Yeah. And so what do you feel was the hardest thing throughout that trajectory while you were going through that process? <laughs> yeah, it was very different. Being in the chiropractic world was a huge change from anything else in my life. You know, I grew up in the mindset of a doctor knows everything and you just... You know, if you're sick, you take cold medicine and it makes you better. Not <laughs> and, the holistic realm of things. Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, my mom's a horse trainer and my dad's a mechanic. They're both brilliant people but didn't necessarily have a science background. And so, yeah, being involved in that world, it really changed my perspective on things. And I think maybe the hardest part throughout being a dressage rider while going to this chiropractic school and continuing to compete while I was there is kind of balancing that of, I had grown up like my horse is six years old and he's doing starting FEI, I need to give him hawk injections because that's just what you do. <laughs> and then I started kind of in this holistic mindset of shifting to like, well, why am I doing a medical procedure that might not be necessary? And so Or might not even work. Sometimes yeah. you get injections or you get different things and then it's not actually quote unquote fixing the problem. Totally. Yeah, finding the root of the problem. And so I think in my mind that time was very turbulent perhaps and going back and forth you know all day long I'm in this really holistic bubble of people who really think like-minded and very holistic and you know find the root cause of what's going on and then to go flip at night and go to the barn and be trying to put it all into a you know a performance <laughs> mindset and more of kind of a medical side and nothing against the medical model of course but just you know it's just different trying something new yeah and so I think I've kind of gone back and forth on the scale of that when I when I was really in the chiropractic world I was like I almost thought about I don't know if you know what upper cervical chiropractic is <laughs> um, it's where you only adjust the top two bones of the neck because it goes around the brainstem and the brainstem controls mm, nothing else happens. in the body yeah oh wow and for a little while I did a lot of training in that world and I, I thought it was fascinating it's amazing for people who have like chronic headaches I mean a lot of different things even a lot of people who have low back pain can have a lot of benefit from it cool um, and I really enjoyed working on that in that realm um, but I think ultimately when I started thinking about working with riders I just felt like I needed to whole body yeah expand a little bit more and then I think my master's program the school up in Portland focuses more on the rehab side of things after and, injury yeah and yeah when you're you know you, you adjust you get the function improved and then you put it to improving the patterns that 
sort of caused the issue to begin with. And so I was exposed more to that kind of after my original chiropractic schooling. And so my practice now has evolved a bit more to include that and uh, in my office pretty soon have more of a rehab space where I can incorporate that in more. And then more recently, I have had so much interest from people saying, you're working with the riders, please, will you go get certified to do animals as well? Because unfortunately, Tracy Rainwaters is the one of the main equine chiropractors in this area. She's fantastic. She went to the same school I'm going to for the She animal. also has an episode. Yep. <laughs> I don't remember what number it is, but she's back there. It was a great episode, too. Yeah. I listened to that one while I was at my last animal program. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she moved up to Washington recently, and thankfully she does still come to this area, but not as often as she used to. So there was kind of a need to be filled. You know, it just kind of seemed like the natural natural next thing to do. If I want to work with the riders, it would be great if I can work with the riders and the horses. So currently in school for the animal chiropractic program. And where are you going for that? That is in Wellsville, Kansas. Okay. And why did you choose that one? That one, I think, aligns well philosophically with the school that I actually did go to, Life West. My good friend Rachel Knopf went there, who I think you know as well. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. an equine chiro up in the Petaluma area. It is the only um, one of the animal chiropractic programs that's actually run by chiropractors and owned by chiropractors, mm. um, because you have to be either an animal chiro- or sorry, a human chiropractor or a vet to become an animal chiropractor. And so I think you know, obviously, we have vets in the program with us that are teaching us and it's really great to learn their perspective but from the adjusting side I think the from what I've seen of of my current class the chiropractors are having a little bit easier time with the adjusting because we do have that background in it and so I think having it owned and run and mainly taught by the chiropractors gives a little bit more depth to the adjusting knowledge and with humans chiropractors are actually primary care physicians with animals, we are not. <laughs> Which, Interesting. Thank goodness, because we do not have enough training. <laughs> um, and so, while of course it's important to be able to recognize in a horse when this horse needs a vet referral, it is truly a vet referral. Whereas in the human world, we really have to be able to diagnose because we can refer for MRI, we can refer for some of that primary care stuff. Because I'm very familiar with horses already from my background, I feel pretty confident that I know when a horse needs a vet, but the adjusting side of it, I really wanted to be confident in my adjusting skills with the horse. So. So back to having a mom as a trainer, do you feel like that benefited you or didn't benefit you growing up? I loved it. I've talked to other people who have had a similar situation and thought it was hard. I'm super lucky. I have a really great relationship with my mom. Um, She was an amazing trainer. She retired about a year or two ago, but she has played a really big part in developing the equestrian community in Northern California. She has brought, I think, probably more people to juniors and young riders at NYC than any other trainer in the country. She's had, I think we counted 26 students, one of which was on a horse that she rescued from the slaughterhouse. It was oh, wow. Thoroughbred cool. that yeah. she trained and sold to her student. She went young riders on. We had one year, I think it was the year that the young riders were team gold and the juniors were team silver, where half of region seven was from our barn. We had two juniors, two young riders. And, you know, my mom gave up her riding career really for for me to be able to ride. She sold her FEI horse to buy me a horse. And so, you know, I don't think she gets the recognition that she really deserves for how much of a role she's played in a lot of trainers' lives. There's 
probably eight trainers in the Bay Area or in Northern California that did get their their start and their young riders career start training with her. And so Nadine Fasana is her name and she's fantastic. And uh, yeah, she definitely has been a really great resource for me. She's supported me and she really was an amazing trainer. You know, every, every opportunity that I've had along the way, and I've had some amazing opportunities thanks to what she's done for me, but you know, my riding, my everything is because of what she taught me. So yeah, I was 13 and was at a clinic where, you know, I hadn't really done anything at this point. And uh, I was with Debbie McDonald up at Star Vaughan and she asked me to go be her working student in Idaho. And I was like middle of high school and like, I can't just have to move to Idaho. But that, I mean, that had nothing to do with me. That was the training my mom had done with me at that point. So she's, she's awesome. I really, really enjoyed working with her. We've always had a great relationship. And to be honest, a lot of it wasn't that I was getting daily lessons with her. It was she'd be teaching another client and I'm riding and she's like, Jamie, you're twisting left. Those <laughs> <laughs> little yeah. remarks. Yeah, exactly. Just the constant, constant uh, feedback from her. And I also just got the opportunity to ride a lot of different horses. From a young age, it was, ah, Jamie, you know, hop on this horse or I don't have time to ride this one. Can you ride it? And so many people don't get that opportunity until they're older. So that, I think, played a huge role in developing me as a rider and a person <laughs> and a trainer probably too because when you get good and or bad training from somebody growing up you take the good and the bad and then if you become a trainer you kind of present that to the next and I met a few of your clients today and it seems like they really like you <laughs> <laughs> well good <laughs> yeah no it definitely she is an incredible instructor much better than I am and that's part of why I didn't want to be a trainer is that I don't feel like my strength lies in my instruction ability. I love riding horses. I got to learn a lot of what I learned before I was even aware of what I was learning because I have been riding for so long. And putting it into words is not my strong point. At least um, it's good to admit that and know that. Yeah, and I'm somebody who really doesn't like to do things half-ass if I and so you know I think if I really wanted to be a horse trainer I would have to put a lot of work into my coaching ability and being able to present things in a way that people can understand and put into action and that just wasn't where my passion lay really I really enjoyed science I wanted to do something different and so that's part of what kind of steered me away from wanting to be a horse trainer um, my mom does not have that she can put things into terms that a dog could understand. Like she's so good at explaining things. And, you know, we've obviously shared clients over the years and my clients and her clients really in a very nice way will say, you're a wonderful rider. Your mom is an excellent instructor. <laughs> well, yes, she is. I know that. And I completely own up to that. So. Yeah. Did you ever have, I know you said you had clinics, but did you have other instruction from other trainers growing up as well? Yeah, I was really fortunate to be a part of the pipeline program through USDF, um, USEF, I guess, the pipeline they've developed over the years. So um, when I was doing the Young Riders with my horse, I got exposed to Jeremy Steinberg, who was the U.S. youth coach at the time, and he really got along well with, and his philosophy worked really well with my Young Riders horse, who became my Grand Prix horse, wins a lot. Um, and so, Such a good name. Yes. <laughs> Wins a lot with the ego to match the name. Yes, he's been my, my most well-known horse. He and Jeremy got along really well. And Jeremy's another one who, man, the way that guy explains stuff just clicks. Like I could listen to him talk about dressage for days. And so I worked with him a lot with um, with that horse. And when, when he stopped being the youth coach, I continued working with him. He used to be based in San Diego. So we'd go down 
and trained with him pretty frequently. I had a year that I received the training grant from USCF, the developing training grant, so I worked with him quite a bit with that. I also got to work with Debbie McDonald a fair amount, which was incredible. She's one of the nicest humans <laughs> on the planet. Those were kind of my main influences, I think, with, with my Young Riders horse. Currently, I would love to be in more training than I am. It's just kind of the place I'm at in my life that I haven't gotten to have as much instruction. Um, thankfully, I have a young horse who are kind of just building building the blocks right now. So hopefully. <laughs> it's good to take it slow at that time too. Yeah, exactly. I just keep it kind of low stress. And I'm sure, you know, when I get the opportunity to clinic with Jeremy again, I'll go back to that. And when my mom's in town, I definitely utilize her knowledge. So she still comes down and teaches occasionally, right? She does, yeah. She is mostly in Arizona now, but she'll come to help with my son. And when she's here, we usually sucker her into teaching some lessons. So right now she's been helping out while I'm traveling to Kansas for the animal program. She'll come down and help with my clients while I'm gone. So That's nice. And do you want to talk a little bit about the family that you started? Sure, yeah. Um, I uh, have a wife, Savannah. She's wonderful. She's also a chiropractor. She's a chiropractic radiologist, so she reads x-rays for other chiropractors. She's also in the horse world. She has, uh, she was Western, so she grew up actually riding with a lot of my friends in the English world. Most of her riding friends growing up were in the English world, and so we had a lot of mutual friends, but didn't necessarily have, hadn't really met outside of just knowing of each other. Um, yeah, we got married at the beginning of COVID. We had a, kind of a secret wedding. We were going to have a big wedding, but COVID happened and we had already been married before for tax reasons. And so we're like, I guess we have to tell people now that we're married. <laughs> and then we have a 15-month-old son, Declan. He is a monster toddler and a lot of fun and had a little hooligan, <laughs> but he loves the horses too, so I'm sure we've got more horses in our future. So what's your journey been like with dating girls? I had only dated men before my wife. <laughs> um, I think I don't necessarily put a label on, am I gay or straight? I don't know. I just think people fall in love with people. <laughs> and I think I sort of always knew that there was an attraction there, but... I was attracted to men as well, and it was the easier thing to do. The and more normal thing. Yeah, it's, you know, you don't have to ever come out as being straight, so it was just easier. And, yeah, I just really connected with Savannah, and we had always had a great time together, and there was a definite attraction there, and still don't really have a label people ask, and I'm like, I, I don't know. It doesn't just, matter. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm happily married to a female, whatever you want to call that. I don't know, it just really, it all kind of seemed to make sense. It kind of seems like a movie, thinking of back to it, but... <laughs> What's it been like for you raising your son and going to school and being married and having clients and all of that? It's been a journey. Um, of all the jobs I've ever had, raising a child is the hardest by far. <laughs> Probably the birthing part too? Yeah, it was kind of a traumatic birth process. I was induced five weeks early, and um, I really wanted a natural home birth with a midwife. And then we had a very traumatic induction where I hemorrhaged horribly, and my son was in the NICU for 19 days. So it was a lot, but that, you know, that was just a moment in time, like any other injury, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> any other injury. rehab process. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I've always been somebody who really goes full force you know I kind of say yes to everything and figure out how to get it done 
and that's been hard. <laughs> I started my business when he was three months old, I think. You know, the fact that I've been doing this for a bit now and it's still, I'm still just getting it built up is weird for me because I usually am like, all right, hit the ground running. We're going to go full steam ahead. And that's just not how it goes when you have a baby who is your priority. And, and now he's you. starting to walk, so it's even harder. Yes. And then, you know, we finally decided, okay, let's send him to daycare so that we can have our, our space. And then they go to daycare and they get sick every freaking week. It's insane. December, we paid for the whole month, you know, $2,000 for a month of daycare. And he went for four days because he was sick the rest of the month. And then you probably get sick half the time when he's sick. Yeah. yeah. So then, I, you know, I finally get, get my business up and going. And it's like, sorry, I have to close because my at home with my son yeah so yeah that's been tough and having it's good that I have a young horse right now because if she does have to have some time off it's it works fine but it's been frustrating for me because I've always been very regimented with my horse's training schedule and so to just let it go and you know if she, if she sits for a month it's not the end of you know in the scheme of her life this is one month so yeah learning to let things go has been a big part of having a kid yeah <laughs> I think my ultimate dream goal with the chiropractic, I would love to work with the U.S. team. I think that'd be super fun. I probably would not have come up with that idea on my own, but we had Laura Graves for a clinic and she uh, suggested it. She's like, we have a team physio. We don't have a team chiropractor. Like you have the background. It would be really cool if you could work with the team someday. And so that's kind of what spurred me to get the master's in sports medicine. Um, there is a program within the U.S. that's supposed to be for physios that's, I think, human sports science and medicine or something and you can be certified from USCF to be like a provider for mm -hmm. USCF uh, so I emailed them I'm like hey you know I know this is supposed to be for physios and PTs but I'm a chiropractor if I do some additional like sports related training and like yeah we'd consider it so that's kind of what spurred me to want to get the additional sports medicine degree you know maybe a bit of a far-off dream while I'm at home with a toddler right now but someday I think that would be really really fun to maybe get to get um, licensed in Florida as well and go do some of the Wellington circuit and work with some of the team riders. Oh, that's true because the licensing is state to state, yeah. correct? Is California probably known for one of the hardest licensing or no? It's actually not. The The boards are national, so it's part like one through four boards are pretty standard across all the states. And then some states actually do require additional boards. You have to take PT boards here as well, so I've done that one. But Oregon... And one other state, I can't remember which one, require um, minor surgery. I think they can do like stitches and stuff. Um, and then the, the actual like state exam or whatever is mostly an ethics test. So Oh, interesting. That one's really not, you know, not too stressful. You just study the night before and make sure you have your ethics in line. But when I feel prepared for a test, I find it to be kind of a fun game. <laughs> um, I just got asked to write a board review for the college. I'm like, this is fun. Like, you know, you, you put this out in a way that you, it's a thought process. It's a game. You read the question and you figure out what they're trying to ask and then pick the, you know, pick one. <laughs> and I find that really fun. So that's Especially when you know it and you're like, I know it's this one. Like, that's so easy. Yeah. <laughs> I wish my brain worked like that. <laughs> my um, study group in, in Cairo school called me Hermione because I, <laughs> I was the Hermione of the group. <laughs> that's great. What's it like being married to someone that has a similar background as yours? It's so fun. It's awesome. I don't know how anybody in the horse world can be married to someone who's not a horse person because it really is such a unique world that it's so all-encompassing and it's hard and there are days where the horse has to come before everything everything yeah yeah and you know in past relationships that 
was a sore spot, you know, <laughs> like, sorry, but my horse has to go to the vet today. It's, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, or this horse show, I need it. I have to qualify, you know, sorry that it's on our anniversary, but there's <laughs> nothing I can do about it. Um, and so that part is great, having somebody who's been in the horse world. And we also are in the same, you know, we both ride horses, we both do chiropractic, but we're in slightly different worlds. Uh, she's Western, I'm English, she does radiology, I adjust. And so as very competitive people, both of us, I think that's very healthy for our relationship. She's also extremely smart. Her dad is a neurosurgeon and she has an additional three years of radiology training. So she's an awesome resource for me if I have any questions about patient care. Really great having that resource for just in life, but also as a practitioner that I have her to reference. So Yeah. And what are your goals in terms of your chiropractic? So you have a office space for the human sessions. You're getting certified for the horses. Do you kind of, aside from doing the U.S. team eventually, do you want to kind of have a 50-50? Yeah, I think probably we'll figure out the balance, but maybe three days human, two days horses. I am somebody who likes a lot of variety in my life, so I think having having both to kind of keep it interesting. Also, both are hard on your body in different ways, especially I think the horses will be a lot, and I would like to be able to do this for a long time and be able to ride my horse for a long time, so keeping that balance where I can keep myself physically healthy I think will be an ideal balance for me. But yeah, I think the, there is enough need that I could do just the horses, but I do really enjoy working with the riders, and I think it is the most beneficial way. You know, a lot of times we see the crookedness in our horses, but we don't see it in ourselves, and so to be able to work with both to develop the partnership is something that really appeals to me. So Yeah, that makes sense to do the whole package, not just the horse or just the rider. Yeah, exactly. Office space-wise, you said you're kind of expanding a little bit, so do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I'm in, uh, right now I have a room within a really cute little office space in Livermore. Um, the other practitioner who I rent this room from, she's an esthetician, and she is just retired. So in May, I'm taking over the whole office space, which will be really nice to get to expand a bit in terms of space where I can have a room where I do my hands-on therapy, and then a room where we can do some more movement and movement assessments and some rehab exercises. I've recently started doing, just as far as social media presence, doing some like workouts for riders type thing and targeting specific riding difficulties or, you know, struggles with riding. It's had really good feedback so far. And so maybe eventually doing some sort of online offering of for people who aren't local. Um, of course, I think the most ideal thing is to come and get a full assessment and get to have really targeted exercises. But Beyond the course of care, I think there are ways that you can continue to work on your body to improve your riding without riding. So um, that might be something in the future that I look into as well. Yeah. Talk about your current riding. So you said you have, I've met your mare today, that's a young horse. Do you still show? I do, yeah. I have lots of competition goals. I think if horses have taught me anything, it's that goals are good, but don't set them in stone. <laughs> Everything can change. And I am at a place in my life right now with my young son and my young business that it's, I'm not showing nearly as much as I used to, 
and I'm totally okay with that. I think my current horse, I got her when she was two. Fell in love with her in a pasture before I had ever seen her move, and I was certainly not in the market to buy a horse, but I couldn't stop talking about her, and my wife's like, all right, let's figure this out, or you, you have to have that horse. I think at the time, I thought, oh, I have this amazing connection with this horse. She just loves me, and turns out she just loves everyone. She's an angel, but I do. I adore this horse, and um, I had a friend helped me start her while I was pregnant, Andrea Adams. Uh, she's phenomenal with young horses and in part because I was pregnant and in part because I am kind of a chicken and I wanted her to have a really good experience being started because yeah. I think she's pretty special. It's good to admit that and know that and again to just express that and then find someone who can do what you feel you might not be able to. Yeah, and you know in, in theory I love the idea of I've been the only one to sit on this horse but I think in practice that's not the best thing for most horses. You should find someone who really specializes in working kindly with young horses and giving them a really good introduction to riding. So um, Andrea is amazing and did a super job starting her for me. And she's been to one show. I just decided I was going to take her down to Greenville for fun. And she was incredible. She was the high point of the show and just such a good girl. Um, but I don't really have any immediate competition goals with her. I think she is very talented and very willing and is a horse who could be pushed too fast very easily and i really want to make sure that i develop her in a way that's very you know honoring to her and that i have a really long-term athlete who i think someday could be a really special horse so I don't know, maybe I'll show her this year, maybe I'll show her in five years, I'm not quite sure right now, but I'm super lucky to have a client with a super nice young horse as well, who you also met today, mm -hmm. and she's very kind to let me ride him a fair amount and get to show him a little bit too, so I still get to get out there, I do, I love showing, I can't wait to get back in it, um, but I think that's been a big thing in my development as a rider, is learning to ride the horse you have, <laughs> not what you want it to be in that year, and really take the time to develop the process so you do have a long-term happy athlete. So That makes sense. And did you know from a young age that you had kind of the entrepreneur mindset? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I've never, this is going to sound weird, but I've never really worked for anyone other than my mom. You never had any other like outside jobs, like coffee shop job or anything like that? No, when I, I guess, I mean, I guess I knew I was an entrepreneur when I was like eight. I started, you know, cleaning tack at the barn. <laughs> I was a little barn brat and I was like, I want to make some money while I'm here. So, you know, one dollar per piece of tack. And Sounds lovely. I'd love for someone to come clean my tack for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, all my mom's clients are like, great, here's six sets of tack. So, yeah. yeah, that was how I made, made my money. And then when I was old enough to start riding for my mom, I'd, you know, do her rehab horses or whatever and um yeah it just I I did I mean I guess I've worked for other trainers when I was in college I wrote for Starvon for a little bit I wrote for Christiana Nolting they used to do an auction the Pacific Sport Horse Selection auction and so I rode for one of the auctions that was a really cool experience for sure but yeah no I've pretty I mean a lot I did some tutoring when I was in college and in grad school and a lot of internships so worked under people but not necessarily paying jobs but I definitely am an opinionated person so I think having my own business where I get to kind of call the shots is great that being said I have a lot of friends who I communicate with collaborate with often because I think it's really important to not be in a bubble <laughs> and you know keep 
keep people keeping you honest and <laughs> definitely <laughs> making sure you're on the right track. So um, definitely don't think I know everything, but I really enjoy getting to do things the way that I think is right. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any hobbies outside of horses? <laughs> Hobbies that would require time. <laughs> no, um, I do. I really enjoy running. I think running time is me time where I don't feel it feels productive. I'm not very good at not being productive, <laughs> so it feels like I'm getting a good workout in. But I can listen to crime junkie podcasts and just kind of tune out. So, and that's been something that's fun to do with my son. I'll push him in his stroller oh, while good. I'm on my run, and my pit bull will run with me, and <laughs> we have a really good time. So, yeah, that's kind of my big hobby outside of of riding is sometimes I'll do races just for fun, but running is enjoyable for me. Yeah. And do you do any body work for yourself? Get any body work done for yourself? I do get chiropractic care. <laughs> Working at the school, I get to have an intern there, so... I'm a great intern right now, which is a lot of fun. Um, I just got a massage for my birthday yesterday, and that was wonderful. And as I was doing it, I'm like, I need to do this more. <laughs> every time I get a massage, I don't get them very often, but every time I get one, I'm like, why don't I do this very often? Right? I, I know. I do this really often. <laughs> like, I can tell people all day long the importance of self-care, but actually doing it is yeah. hard. <laughs> Making the time. Right. Yeah. But I am fortunate with, you know, I have a laser for my practice, so I can use that for myself and, you know, some other tools and um, it's always an honor when I get to get together with Rachel Knopf because we'll mm -hmm. adjust each other sometimes and she's incredible. So yeah, it's nice to be surrounded by other people who do body work. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do you feel like life with Savannah and or in general changed much once you went from dating to marriage? No, I don't think so. I think in part because we did get married secretly. <laughs> I was going to lose my parents' health insurance. I was, you know, getting kicked off their health insurance, and it seemed silly to not be married when we had a wedding date planned already. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we got married without telling literally anyone, and it was a wonderful day. We got married at the courthouse in Napa and went wine tasting. And don't went you have to have a, at least one person as a witness or something? You could just pay for a witness. <laughs> so it was a random person? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, she's super close with her sister. She didn't even tell her sister. Like, oh, wow. No one knew. And then we went to see the Harry Potter in the city, the <laughs> stage show where big Potterheads. So fun. Um, yeah, it was like a super great day. But I think, you know, because nobody really knew, life didn't change all that much. And then we had to cancel our actual wedding because of COVID. And so we did a really big baby shower instead and had ton of people and so that was kind of our like wedding celebration so yeah. <laughs> but yeah no I mean we already owned a house together before we got married we have three dogs <laughs> we some animals together. yeah yeah exactly so yeah no I think nothing really changed yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's you know much of the happy same <laughs> I think having a kid changed our lives more than getting married for sure but. definitely and do you this is personal, but do you want to talk about, like, if you carried or she carried or any of that? Yeah, I. so she uh, was, I guess, an egg donor, essentially. Our child is biologically hers. We picked a sperm donor who had very similar features to me, and then I carried. So we kind of both got to be involved in the process and very grateful for science. <laughs> science is pretty amazing, what we can do these days. But, yeah, that way we both really feel connected to our son and um, he really does look like both of us so <laughs> it's kind of amazing. And did you know from a young age that you wanted kids or no? I didn't want kids and I yeah I think if I had 
been with a male, honestly, I probably would have never had them. I didn't really want that like primary mother role. I'm not really a kid person. <laughs> I am very career driven. And so it's, it's hard You give up a lot of your life to have a kid. And, but I think the idea of having me not having to be the sole mother was less pressure. Yeah, it just made it more appealing. And I think being with the right person too, knowing that this is going to get hard, but we're going to be okay. We can get through hard things together. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's been very fulfilling and very exhausting. And I would strongly suggest anyone who doesn't know if they want kids to not have kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you want them, it's an amazing experience, but it is hard. <laughs> so yeah. if, you, if you don't think you do, maybe don't. <laughs> maybe maybe don't or like borrow someone's for a little yeah. bit first. Yeah, exactly. Do, do like a long babysitting stretch before you decide. Yeah, or get a puppy. But the puppy you can just crate and then it's, you know, so it's a, definitely kid is a little different. So it's like, you know, everybody's like, it's similar to having a horse. I'm like, yeah, but the horse you could put in a stall at night and go home. What was it like being pregnant for you? I had a pretty easy pregnancy, actually. I was, had an amazing opportunity while I was pregnant. I had a client who bought a stallion who was supposed to be kind of a big contender for me in the future. It was, you know, basically a sponsorship opportunity and I helped her find the stallion and we brought him over and he was everything we hoped and more, but he was in Napa because I was working in Napa at the time and I was trying to do the commute and do my job and then go ride him late at night and he was going to have to go to a stallion inspection when I was six months pregnant. And it was just going to be too much. And so I was at Toy on Farms at the time and Sabine Shoot Carey was there. And so I said, you know, why don't you have, you know, I, as much as this was an incredible opportunity for me, why don't we have Sabine ride this horse? I think it's a better fit at this time for his career because she really wanted him to be a breeding stallion as well. And so he needed to be promoted well. And so he's doing amazing with Sabine. He was at the World Young Horse Championships last year. And that's gorgeous Latino, was that horse. But all I have to say, you know, I was really able to ride through pretty much all of my pregnancy. I think I rode my horse bareback, I don't know, a few days before I was induced. You know, I, I just got very selective about safety. I was only gonna ride a horse I really trusted. Um, and sitting the trot was non-existent. We did a lot of posting at the end. <laughs> but I generally had a really, really easy pregnancy. I was super lucky in that regard. So the end got a little rough with the induction and everything, but yeah, most of it was honestly pretty pretty easy and I have a couple friends who are pregnant right now and had pretty rough pregnancies and so it makes me all the more grateful that I did have a pretty easy pregnancy. I was definitely lucky. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what's the, because I know you were talking about your wife's egg being in your body. What was that process like? We flew to and from Colorado. We worked with a fertility company called CNY in Colorado. It was a bit cheaper and they also had really good success rates. And so it was definitely an event. There was a lot of shots involved for both of us. The extraction, um, she had to do all kinds of injections. And I think that part was the hardest of the whole IVF was for her having to do that. We flew out to Colorado, extracted the eggs, and they do the fertilization and you get, you know, they tell you however many embryos you have. And then they have to test the embryos to make sure that they're viable and everything and so we ended up with three which is actually a pretty good number um, but of course there's no guarantee that it works on the first try and so then you know we flew back then they started monitoring me and then it was tough with 
thankfully I worked at the practice in Napa that was very understanding because it's kind of like on a dime. They, you're like, okay, your levels are good. We need you here tomorrow. And so I don't know how anybody could go through this process without a job that was very understanding. So I was very grateful to my boss at the time who it was a pediatric pregnancy practice. She was very understanding. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, on, you know, 12 hours notice, book a plane to Colorado and fly out there. And we were super lucky. It worked on the first try for us, which things just work out for me, I guess. (laughs) Worked on the first try. So we do have two embryos left that would be, you know, full siblings. I don't know. We haven't decided if, if we'll do it again. But yeah, there were a lot of shots. You know, the the worst part, I think, was the big progesterone shot that you have to give yourself for a month. It's like a two-inch long needle you've got to <laughs> stick yourself with. And, yeah, it's not a walk in the park, but, uh, but yeah, it's worth it. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and at least, you know, for us, it worked on the first try, which I was so thankful for because to go through all of that and then not, it gives me a lot of empathy for people who go through fertility struggles. So, yeah. Definitely. What a journey. Cool. Well, let's go into the question. So what is something within the community that you'd like to see evolve or change? And then how can you help with that change if you're not already? So I think the biggest thing I would like to see change and something that I think is really happening already within the industry is people to fall in love with the training process. And for that, I don't just mean everybody should buy a young horse and teach it the tricks because there's a lot of value in having a school horse, (laughs) but to really ride and train the horse that you have and think about the needs and the best interest of that horse in the moment. It's hard. I know it's hard. I've been in this industry for a long time. You spend a lot of money to buy a horse that you have specific goals in mind, but sometimes that goal does not align with what that horse needs in that moment and so physically or mentally totally yes and taking the step back of I bought this horse because I wanted to get my silver medal this year but actually it needs some time to go long and low and decompress and build up its thoracic sling and do some groundwork and build a relationship with this horse before my goals (laughs) and uh, you know I think that's something that we sign ourselves up for when we choose to do a sport that involves an animal. There are so many sports that involve inanimate objects or another human that can advocate for themselves. And we choose to do a sport where we are working with an animal who doesn't really have a choice in the matter. And I think probably the hardest part of that is when you get a horse who doesn't want to do this. And, you know, knowing that I could try to force this horse to do it, or I could honor this horse and maybe let it pick a different career, even if it's not the right financial thing or it doesn't align with my personal goals. Um, And it's hard and it takes a lot of maturity to do that. And that's something that I've really tried to develop in myself as I've gotten older is doing what the horse needs in that moment and enjoying the process of that. You know, it's, there's a lot of fun to be had in developing a relationship with a horse and groundwork and going on trail rides and doing things beyond just working in the same sandbox, drilling the same drills every day. So Doing those same circles. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, I hope within my riding, especially with this horse that I currently have, that I can represent that and show, you know, there are a lot of people who are showing it, but that I can show that you can take that time to develop the horse properly and hopefully have a really successful high-performance career still and ideally a long one with a healthy horse. Um, And then in my chiropractic career, working with both the horse and the riders to help them physically be able to do 
what we are asking of them. What we're asking them to do is not natural for them or us for that matter. There's a lot of things that the rider can do off the horse to help the fact that our bodies weren't designed to sit on a horse either. And if we're not willing to put in that time off the horse, we might not be able to ask the horse to do what we're asking it to do. And um, so, you know, to be able to support both the horse and the rider in their goals and also in their training process. That's a good answer. Love <laughs> that. Um, and then you get to ask me one question. So what's your question for me? You've got to talk to a lot of really cool people on this podcast. What is one of the biggest or the biggest takeaway or thing you've learned from your time in doing this podcast? That's a new question for me, which is really fun. So I think the biggest thing, and I think that's even why I started this in the first place, is I am fascinated just by everybody's story, whether it's a person who's worked up to the Grand Prix or person just getting a horse just to have a horse in their backyard. Everyone has such a cool story of like how they got horses, how they got to where they are, how they got into the career path they are. And aside from just hearing everyone's story and being able to share everybody's story with other people, also the like satisfaction of knowing that these people trust me to share their story is really cool. And then just the adventure of it all, like even to record with you driving like an hour and a half south, you know, doing some PEMF sessions and then recording and then driving home, like just being able to kind of mesh those two things together too and just making an adventure out of it is really fun. So I, there's so many aspects to this that's really fun, but I think the most, the coolest thing is just the satisfaction of knowing that people are trusting me to share their stories and like trusting me to edit in a way that, because I do edit the episodes. And so to edit in a way that like is easy to follow and just like being able to get this, the point across without it being a three hour, you know, thing. So I don't know if there's a lot of aspects to it, but I think mostly just being able to share other people's stories and hear other people's stories because I'm fascinated by how people got to where they are. So I, the reason I started this is because I knew like there's other people that like want to hear how everyone, like it's so random, like how you are in chiropractic school or how this person became a, uh, I don't even know, like an animal communicator or anything. Like it's just, the horse world is littered with such random career paths or random people in general that it's fun to be able to share. So good question, like that. <laughs> cool, well thank you for chatting with me. Thank you so much. Hello again, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Stable Connections, the podcast. This is your host, Shauna Burke, and if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, don't forget to tune in every Monday morning for a new episode. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook, and if you or someone you know wants to sponsor an episode, please visit www.stableconnectionsthepodcast.com. See you next week.